the gold. Puts a spicy forehand out in front of Naomi Morsilla. for the win. with the layout grab. Oh, that fantastic grab. The claws of Chapa. Canada just became the world champion. Hey, Canada. Rest of the world. You listen to the Hockey Day podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Theo Wan, from the great city of Toronto, Ontario. And I'm Danny Proby. I'm from the better city, Vancouver, BC. We are your Coast to Coast Guide All Things Canadian Ultimate. Speaking of, no, not speaking of Canadian Ultimate, how was your weekend? Did you eat a lot this weekend? What did you do? What did you get up to? It's turkey day, so. That is true. To be honest, I did not have turkey on the weekend. I went out with my, the parentals, and uh, we went out to this nice restaurant here near my house called Piri Piri. So I think it's like Portuguese, and I had a rack of lamb with some mushroom risotto, and uh, it was very good. It's actually probably the best like meal I've had in a very long time, to be honest with you, so. I was very pumped about that. What about you? That's a classic holiday rack of lamb, of course. Um, yeah, not the turkey. I'm not a big turkey guy, to be honest. So. I mean, I'm a turkey person twice a year. Um, it was good. My sister's first time hosting the family event, so lots of pressure, but she did well. We ate, and you know, it's like days and days and days of prepping and planning and thinking and stressing, and then you eat within 20 minutes and it's over. It's, it just seems so sad to me in the long run. Okay, so beautiful dinner, right? We're sitting down, we're eating, having wine, all the good stuff. And my dog has this look on her face. She like runs over to Ari and she's like, once went right to his feet and just vomited everywhere oh. at the table. <laughs> like a Andy, come on now. She's a brat. She had eaten something in the yard, I guess. And so um, cleared the room. It was great. And so um, that was our, our Thanksgiving dinner, my sister's first Thanksgiving dinner. Um, 10 out of 10, would recommend. It's good times. Yeah, send some leftovers here to Toronto. But uh, for those, uh, you know, in other countries, if you happen to be listening or American audiences, especially, uh, you probably have no clue what we're talking about because, uh, you know, you celebrate the Turkey Day a little bit later. So, uh, you know, we start ours a little bit earlier there in October. So, uh, yeah, that, that was game. our weekend, and yeah, just ahead of the game, and uh, it's good. You know, students get a little bit of a break before they get ready for the CWC that's coming up, or CUC is actually what it's called. But uh, first, we're gonna you know hit up some news, and the news is like kind of like uh, how do you say it? it's not like you know these things happen. It's just kind of stuff we want to talk about before we get to our two main events. So let's hit up the the so called news this week. We now have breaking news. Welcome to the news. So, Theo, you're human, right? I, you know, I am a human and I know what you're about to bring up. So, uh, <laughs> yes, I'm very human. Hey, I'm human too. Um, but this does make, I think, everybody in the audience feel a little bit better to know that, that we're flawed. And I know what we seem perfect and that all of our predictions are right and all of our facts are accurate and sometimes that's just not the case and that's okay because we're trying our best out here theo you got some news for everybody yeah that's true normally we get fact checked by the resident fact checker but this one slipped through the cracks because i even asked him like did you catch what i said and the fact checker said i don't remember so clearly it was not a big enough fact for him to uh 
or her, whoever the fact checker is to uh, acknowledge. <laughs> but uh, a couple people from this team, you know, messaged me. They know me and they're like, well, they messaged us and they said, hey, uh, you got you got the fact wrong. So I did say McGill went undefeated at Eastern's and that is actually incorrect. What I meant to say was that McGill went undefeated on their way to getting a bid because they ended up playing Queens uh, who already had a bid. So I kind of like skirted over that result there, but uh, Queens, you did win. So um, I'm going to give you kudos because you've won two tournaments now in uh, Eastern qualifiers and Eastern. So, I mean, that's, that's the fact I want to correct. There could be more. So fact checker or other fact checkers. Now we got more fact checkers. It looks like uh, Danny. So, uh, if you want to fact check us, please do so and send us a message. You know, you can find us on socials or email. But uh, other things we want to talk about too related to our last episode. So, Danny, why don't you uh, go and do that? Yeah, I almost want to say that we do these mistakes on purpose to check to see if you're all really listening. So, A plus for listening thoroughly to our last episode. Okay, so another thing we wanted to bring up that kind of came about from the episode last week is because we were talking about UCI and some of the results and things that. Theo and I were both hearing or things that people were actively telling us. We'd kind of talked about two games in particular that had potentially some spirit issues. And what I think is interesting, what it's illuminating to me is that I, Theo and I have been talking and we've decided that we want to do an episode pretty quickly on spirit and maybe spirit related to UCI this year and also kind of how making some suggestions about how we should do spirit scores in the future to make it a little bit more meaningful. But one thing that really stood out to me throughout this whole process is that normally in a year, if you go to CUCs and you have a chippy game against a team and the outcome isn't what you want, or maybe it is what you want, but you, you leave that game feeling like angry, resentful, like you hate that other team. And you're like stewing over that for the whole year. You're like, screw that team. They're the worst or, or whatever. Like, we have spirit circles or we, we have opportunities to have these conversations and yet we don't when it maybe matters the most. So I'm kind of taking this as an opportunity for us to create a space to have these conversations because first of all, I think that we, we kind of misreported how one of the games went and, and we want to apologize to quest specifically because I think that the way we discussed how that game went, we thought was from a, unbiased source and it was a little bit of our bad not following through and checking and um that's that's not our intention so theo i don't know if you want to expand on anything that i said there before i keep just blabbering on because i have a lot of feelings no it's first of all it's good to have feelings and yeah i'm though i think i from what i remember i believe i'm the one who said that so yeah want to apologize to quest and the other teams there (laughs) but uh yeah i mean part of our job and and has been illuminated to us uh you know, we often think we're just talking to a camera and it's like just Danny and I spitting and, and chatting and all that good stuff. But the reality is like people listen and, and take what we say, hopefully some of it seriously and some of it not. But uh, people do value in some way what we say, which is kind of cool and humbling at the same time. And also makes us recognize that we need to, yeah, fact check and also like just uh, be aware of what we're saying and, and trying to report it in an unbiased way as possible. So that is something we're going to learn from and, and kind of move forward with. And um, Danny, I know you've already spoken to um, one of the teams that, that you mentioned already in quest. So I know there was another, uh, you know, quote unquote contentious game that we won't kind of get into, but um, that we kind of talked about last time as well. And so it's good to kind of try to hear from both sides uh, for these, you know, contested games. And 
it also brings up, you know, discussions about spirit scores and things like that. So uh, someone in the Hakane audience um, sent us a, a cool email that kind of created a whole spreadsheet uh, about like corrected spirit scores. So one of the things that Danny, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but um, you know, some teams, they give tens, right? They, they just give straight tens. Like if they have a good time, they just give tens. Some teams they're really like, Hey, we like to give out 13s, 12s, whatever that looks like. Um, and so people view spirit, I think a little bit differently at times and report it differently based on their experiences. And so if you play certain teams that have high spirit, your spirit scores might be a little bit more inflated than someone who doesn't. And so that was just brought up uh, in the email. And I thought it was really interesting and something we'll probably bring up in that spirit episode that we were talking about. Yeah. So I guess the, the recommendation would be finding a way to kind of adjust the spirit scores so that they all kind of have like the same midpoint. And so you can actually more accurately determine what teams are doing well in spirit and stuff. So yeah, it's it's going to be a good episode because we were doing some stories about spirit, like what does good spirit look like? What does bad spirit look like? And the responses are all kind of all over the place too. So like some people think spiking is unspirited. Some people think spiking is spirited. It's showing like a love and fun of the game. And Theo and I both have um, very opinionated opinions regarding spiking. So these are all things that we were excited to kind of preview in another episode. Um, so if you have any thoughts on, on spirit or anything to do with UCI or our coverage of spirit specifically – our dms or emails always open so yeah hit us up theo any last thoughts before we head to main event part one yeah what i will say is uh yeah related to that yeah hit us up for sure um we're the thing with spirit and 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 we're going to talk about this in subscriber only so stick around for that we're going to talk about spiking specifically but uh everyone has different opinions about it and we saw that through the answers and so I, I, Danny, you've already kind of alluded to this, but I want to thank everyone for responding. We didn't expect when you put out that story, Danny, I didn't expect like that many people to respond. And like people that don't normally respond to like our like prompts for stories that people have never seen before, like accounts. And so I thought that was really cool. Like we're getting a diverse amount of responses from different parts of the country and people even responding to what other people said. So like, you know, fire emoji to be like, Oh, I love that point. Or like, I totally agree. So that was pretty cool. That's that's all I really want to say that that was like a pretty cool community thing that we that you kind of started there with the stories. Man, I love when you compliment me. Makes me feel good. <laughs> you want to send us to our key sponsor. We're both wearing sponsored stuff by them right now. This is the Shippo's jersey. Yo, that looks sick. Wait, it's, it's reversible. No, I can't. I'm I'm sitting under a table. So uh, that looks like um because some of the Raptors. Oh, when when did you get that? That was Shippo's, I think, 2019's gear. Oh, they look that looks really good. I know uh some people might wanna might want trades for that. Regiment, hit me up. <laughs> yeah, Danny, you know, Danny has uh, fallen in love with a new team, so uh, unfortunately GT not able to follow through. But what's interesting is I spoke to a couple people on it and they would have traded you. That's the hard part. Uh, Ian Bone said, I would have traded for a traffic jersey for sure. So that is tough to hear if you're Danny Proby right now. But anyways, you're going to hear from our sponsor, Be Ultimate. And uh, we'll be back main event number one. And we didn't even tell you what it was, but we're going to be talking to winners from each division of UCI Senior. So that's pretty exciting. They're all going to be together. And they're, we're just going to have like a campfire chat, let's call it that, without <laughs> the campfire. So uh, we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Be Ultimate Apparel. Based out of Vancouver, BC, Be Ultimate is climate neutral certified 
and designs products that are built to perform. I personally love my two Be Ultimate Sun hoodies, and I rock them wherever I go. If you want to learn more about Be Ultimate, start your custom team order, or check out any of their ready-for-purchase collection, you can head over to BeUltimate.ca. Hey, this is Andrew Batchelor, Competition Director for Ultimate Canada, and you're listening to the Hucking A Podcast, your coast-to-coast guide for all things Canadian Ultimate. Welcome, everybody, to our main event, part one. We have all of the UCI winners with us today. So, so fortunate. Theo, how are you feeling being amongst all of this royalty, all these winners? Feeling good? Uncomfortable? Jealous? I'm very, I'm very uncomfortable because I've never gone close to that level <laughs> of like winning anything. So uh, this is like a, a treat for me and hopefully some of the audience, uh, it's a treat for them as well. So thank you all for coming on. Different time zone coordination going on Vancouver, Toronto, but we do appreciate you uh, being here on the podcast. Yeah. So for everyone that's listening, we would love to have you all introduce yourselves. Now we have three teams represented here with four people representing those teams. So let's start with let's start with Sixers. So we have Molly Lewis. If you could introduce yourself, your team, anything else you'd like to share? Yeah. Um, I'm Molly. I play for the Sixers. Um, we, as you said, won nationals this year. Um, we've been around for, I think this might be our fifth year of actually playing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I play for a great team and that's pretty much it. Nice. All right, let's get Katie Wong next. Um, I'm Katie Wong. I was one of the captains for Red Flag this season. We've been around for a hefty two years, and uh, we recently won nationals like a few weeks ago in Ontario. And yeah. And Guo, anything else to add about Red Flag? Um. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, Katie basically said, oh, we're a, a newer team started during COVID. So, yeah, I mean, well, well, I guess we'll get into kind of a little bit about playing and stuff. But, yeah, it definitely was a great time being able to finally play as a team um, against other, other other teams. Yeah. And Robbie. Uh, yeah, my name is Robbie Brennan. I play for Furious George. Um, so we won the UCI a couple of weeks back. Um, and then Canadian Nationals in 2019, uh, and a bunch of others before then. The club's been going since 1995, and we have a bunch of people on our club that are younger than the club itself, which is oh a pretty God. good goal for Red Flag to start getting to. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Well, thanks, everyone. Yeah, Robbie, thank you for coming on, uh, bringing the accent, you know, the, the diversity <laughs> of the accents here to the podcast, so we do appreciate that. But uh, let's let's, let's jump right into let's go <laughs> let's jump right into the questions though. Uh, we'll start off with you know the team from my home city Toronto. So uh, Sixers, you'd already got a bid uh, because of your victory in 2019. So what was your team's goal coming into the this tournament, knowing that you already had a bid? Um, other teams were obviously fighting for a bid to go to um, Ohio for World Ultimate Club Championship. So what was your team feeling uh, heading into this tournament? Um, I think, um, to be honest, we were going in not really accounting for the fact that we'd already had a bid, you know, um, mindset wise, you can't really go into a tournament, like not feeling that like drive and need to win. So 
I think obviously maybe our entire tournament or sorry, season plan changed a little because we had that security, but going in, it was, you know, we have to win this tournament. We have to play as hard as we can. We have to play our systems. Um, and that was just kind of like our one focus basically since we decided not to go to, to USAU. Um, so in September, um, so, and I think that that's, um, that was definitely the only way we could have gotten the result that we did was just really going in, um, rearing to go and not taking anything for granted. Can you, I, I know this is going to be a little bit like off of that question, but can you allude to the decision not to participate in the USAU series? Because like, I know there's a lot of hurdles, but there were less hurdles on the women's side. Was it like a team vote or something um, logistically that made that too challenging? Um, so logistics, definitely. Um, <clears throat> we did actually get a buy from sectionals, so we weren't going to have to go to sectionals, but it was re- going to require a flight down to Boston for regionals. Um, it was going to require the COVID test. Our team is pretty young, so financially, we just weren't totally sure if people were going to be able to accommodate that. Um, and also, I think that, like, um, you know, when we made the decision, it was also Delta was kind of really popping up in the States and the East Coast is better, but it still just felt like really out of our control. And maybe we considered the fact that this year was, it was okay to kind of take it easy and get our bodies slowly back into it. Um, and I think that was the right decision in the end. I think um, safety wise, player mental health wise, I think it was all, it was good that we stayed and, and, Sadly, missed USAUs, but there's always next year. Yeah. Okay. Danny, you read my mind because I was about to, to ask that exact same question. <laughs> I'm just so curious, personally. It's, so <laughs> it's, it's good that it's good that we're in sync. But uh, let's jump to the, the the red flaggers there with the sweet baseball jersey uh, setup they got going on. So, Katie uh, or Edward, one of you can answer this. Uh, what was your prep like? Obviously, your team started during COVID, so you didn't really have like any major tournaments beforehand. And uh, I'm not sure if you listened, but I did crown you as the team that could possibly be the first Canadian team to make USA Nats in like, what was it, since 2015 or 2013? Or our fact checker will will let us know. Long time. Yeah. (laughs) So I crowned you as the team to possibly do it. So I'm waiting for next year for you to make that happen. Katie, do you want to start? Um, you, You go for it. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah, I think he- heading into the season, um, you know, one of the things we had circled on our, I guess, to-do list was to get a bid for World Clubs. Um, and obviously to do so was to win UCI or at least, you know, guarantee yourself a bid and have the most planning time um, to do so. So, yeah, UCI was definitely something that we had known that we needed to peak for and to play the best at, and then any other tournament that we may had possibly been able to go to, which we didn't because of, um, you know, restrictions and things like that, like the U.S., um, would just have been kind of warm up, like leading up to UCI to give us some more reps as a team. Um, I think one of the things that was like a big unknown for the team and was just not knowing exactly how, um, you know, our strategies and things we've been working on for, you know, almost two years now was going to stack up against actual teams. Um, so it was definitely a good, you know, 
um, experience for us to learn that, you know, the things we're working on actually work out pretty good in a game environment, given the fact that we honestly, you know, UCI was the first time we played against actual competitive, like, games in like a tournament environment of course we did have scrimmages against local teams and things like that but it's not the same as to like an actual tournament um environment so yeah um katie you want to add anything else um well no just like with uci's too like it was also everyone's first actual tournament in so long so we definitely did have a bit of like nervousness and jitters but i think as soon as we like got all together we were just like okay, like, we can do this. We've been doing this for, like, two years now. Like, it's time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, last but not least, uh, Furious George, you also had a, had a bid already. And, uh, I mean, similar to Sixers, you turned down um, a chance to go to the state. So why don't you talk about your, your goals heading in and then the decision behind not going to USAUs as well? Yeah, sure. Well, the, the goals heading in, like, it's our like all the other teams basically it was our first competitive competitive event in two years that was outside of scrimmages or or smaller competitions so like all of the team were raring to go we had like a couple of really young players too like the the games at uci were some of our team players first senior club game like they get to put on the furious jersey and get to go out and play against somebody else in a different jersey uh, which was which was new for so many people. Um, on our on our build up, we we actually defined it as a team what our what our goals were, and we had the acronym, which we would help kind of uh, help G us up before games. Uh, it was good sniff. So the good was for good ultimate. Uh, the S was for support. The I was for a team identity. The F the where did I miss the N for new player development. And then the two Fs were fun and focus. And just before every game, everyone would gather together. We'd do our mindfulness and we'd have our big sniff and then get out to go play. That's so cute. <laughs> so that was able to, <laughs> so that was our focus for, for the, the tournament. And then like the trying to win the game in front of you, trying to win your matchup in front of you was what we were trying to do. And then for the, the US series, we had to go to sectionals um, if we wanted to compete in the entire series and then the logistics of going to sectionals, regionals, and then hopefully nationals was just too much for the, for the team to take on. There's, there's too many trips in there, too many tests. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of complications. I couldn't imagine having to do sectionals and regionals like back to back. That's four COVID tests. That's four flights just so expensive so many people on your team are also in college too so i totally understand why why certain teams or most teams opted out it just logistically it's a nightmare um so talking more specifically prep for uci molly gonna come to you first again you get to be our trailblazer but was there anything that your team did like specifically in your practices to get ready for matchups and i know for a fact somebody from your team was on the ulti world discord trying to bribe people to get footage of traffic so <laughs> i'm in there i'm lingering i can see it are you in there yeah i'm in there 
Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. I'll be honest. I also considered messaging Haley's dad. You know that guy on YouTube? Oh, yeah. He's trying famous. To get some footage from, uh, <laughs> from regionals. You got to do what you got to do, you know? That's fair. Um, but um, other than that, I, I'm trying to remember. I wouldn't say matchup specific, no. Um, mainly because, like, we just didn't have enough information to really do that properly. Um, but we did, um, so we organized two scrimmages of Iris over the season, um, as just, you know, and any kind of way to play against an opponent, cause it was just going to be UCI's otherwise. And I think we definitely used our scrimmages against them to really focus our practices. Um, for example, like our marks really struggled, um, against them. So we incorporated that into a lot of our practice plans, um, but I think that we knew that good ultimate works against anyone. So, you know, unless we knew about maybe one player who had this one crazy throw, which wasn't really the case, we kind of just knew that if we played our game properly, we wouldn't need to focus on specific tweaks until it was game time. Um, so, yeah. You didn't have any specific strategies for traffic, for example, that you want to tell me? <laughs> I mean, you're in the Discord, apparently. Someone is. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was interesting. Um, I feel like one thing we kind of noticed was that maybe how we matched up with traffic was I think we probably have a bit of a deeper handler roster than you guys, and you guys have a deeper cutter roster than us, um, just the way that it's split out. So I think we did kind of think about going in leading with our strengths um and obviously we like talked about matchups but um yeah i think it was mainly just i mean it's we were also just like this is a 50 50 shot we'll see what happens here like i want to rematch but, um, so badly it was so fun oh my god we gotta it's gotta happen <laughs> for some reason it's we're not going to san diego but every year in san diego we fly down and we end up playing you guys it's like what are we doing here we love it we love it but, uh, well we'll have it we'll have the rematch yeah no okay well thank you for sharing that um <laughs> let's go to robbie this time we're gonna mix it up a little bit for furious i know that Y'all flew to Ottawa early to get some games in, so that's technically preparation for the tournament. But other than the mindfulness and being present type prep that you were doing leading into it, was there anything specific that you were working on in order to maximize your matchup potential? Yeah, so we we actually have a decent bit of resource from the AUDL and the Canada Cup. Right. So we were we were able to to look over Ottawa, which is largely Phoenix. The Royale, which is essentially all Mephisto, and the Rush, which were mostly Coat. So, yeah, we were able to do a lot of a lot of reviews from those, um, going through full games, identifying players, and in some cases even identifying just systems and plays and things that they like to do. So we kind of we were going into it knowing, okay, well, the Royale like to do this first stack. They like to have these people at the back. They like to have these people initiating. So we were kind of ready to go out with them. And then in our prep, just before the tournament, we played Phoenix on the Thursday evening, and we played Mephisto on the Friday morning. Um, so we kind of got an extra look at the actual players and the actual teams and systems before then. But we knew a lot going in. Right. I feel like 
there's just not much information on Furious in the last couple of years. Like y'all have been like scrimmaging against yourselves and everything. So you're kind of a, maybe the biggest mystery going into that tournament compared to all the other top teams. So I feel like I know Thea and I talked about this on the podcast that your choice to scrimmage against those teams or like, do you show the strategy? Do you want to like test it out on these teams? Cause they're likely going to be playing them later on. Did you use those strategies that you were working on in these last two years in those two warm up games? Or did you save stuff for the big moment? No, absolutely. It's kind of like what, uh, what Molly said, like if you play good ultimate, well, um, that, that should carry you over. So we were still trying to get ourselves sharp for the actual tournament. So uh, we didn't hold anything back. Um, and especially if you've got people like Morgan and Fred and whatever chasing down on you, yeah, you're not going to need to hide anything. That's Morgan's going to be on the field either way. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> All right. For Red Flag, I don't even know how mixed teams would do any scouting because the rosters change so much from year to year. And it was like really hard to predict anything other than Red Flag winning on our end. So <laughs> did you do anything specifically to prep? Like maybe work on, ver- I don't know how much vertical y'all do, but I know teams in the East potentially do vertical a little bit more often. Did you do anything specific? Um, Katie, you want to? Well, yeah. So but at the start of every practice, we would do a lot of uh, throwing to the opposite gender. So like throwing and running drills to the opposite gender for the first like half hour-ish. And then we'd actually just do scrimmages or controlled scrimmages pretty much for the rest just to get lots of reps and lots of touches within the O-line and the D-line. Um, like you said, we had – well, I personally didn't have any really clue on who was on what mixed team for UCIs. Um, but I think what – really helped us was just like knowing how to throw to each other, like building the chemistry on each lineup. And I think that's also like why it was a huge success. Um, Cause everybody knew like each other's strengths, weaknesses, and like how to play with each other after doing it for so long. But I don't know if you wanted to add mm-hmm. anything, Guo, but. Um, yeah, I think in terms of strategy, um, I think we had a good mix of like strategy that we had picked up from other mixed footage like maybe not from canada but from like usau nationals in previous times or like other players who had mixed experience like what they had done so we you know ended up having three to four different defensive sets um based on our you know footage that we had watched and so we practiced that quite a bit and then yeah katie had mentioned one thing that we had focused heavily on was that uh, throwing from girls to guys and guys to girls. So we'd have um, a lot of throwing drills that were just specific, like only guys or only throw to girls. And then we'd switch where only girls only throw to guys on different types of throws. So just like unders, hucks, L cuts, break throws, like whatever it is, just because we know that in mixed, like that's one of the things that can cause the most turnovers is not knowing how to throw to the opposite gender. You know, someone being a little bit faster than you're used to, someone be a little shorter, taller, whatever. So we just wanted to make sure that everyone was pretty comfortable um, doing that um, at all times. And then, yeah, in terms of scouting, I think we got most of our information just by at the tournament, by watching the other teams a little bit. You know, the ones that we felt like could be, you know, a threat uh, later in the tournament. You know, we if our games ended early or something, we would watch a little bit. But, yeah, I would say probably teams probably had the most scouting on us given that we were screened for like two games in a row on the saturday so anyone could have watched that and just so like you know try and learn what we do even though probably on stream it looks pretty vanilla to be honest but uh 
Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, we, we, we tried to go into it just playing our own game and just kind of executing our plan. Um, and then if the game entailed, then we would adjust a little bit based on if certain players were doing, you know, more than we expect kind of thing. Yeah, I, I want to shout out the fact that you're actually training as the mixed strategy. Like a lot of times when teams come together and do mix, they just play their own game that they're used to. And, mm-hmm. and I like to blame red flag for the reason why I overthrow people on my hucks now because <laughs> of last fall I was training with y'all and I was boosting it. It was fine. <laughs> and now I'm just overthrowing. So I don't know. I think that's all your fault. So um, yeah, really, really insightful. They're hearing from all of you because again, in, in this time it's, it's so hard to do any kind of scouting. So y'all are, you're doing great work out there and I can't even, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what next year has. I, I want to see, especially you all, red flag. I have no idea what you do in the states. I'm so curious. <laughs> yeah, so are we. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Northwest region, watch out. You know, uh, that's all we got to say. So, uh, you know, all of your stories ended with gold medals around your neck. So it obviously ended in a good way. But in every story, there's like stumbling blocks or things that happen that kind of get in the way of reaching your goal. So Molly, once again, you're the trailblazer. I think you're going to be like that the whole uh, episode here. So I'll take it. Um, you, you won obviously, but was there, was there certain uh, like points in the tournament or even the season that were kind of like stumbling blocks or like, was there like a turning point where things really like went well, you know, we referenced uh, the TSN turning point in our interview prep there. So something like that, can you uh, share with the audience? Yeah. Um, I think that, um, this season was definitely unique for a lot of reasons, but there was also, we had a ton of rookies. Like we had, I think we had seven rookies and that's obviously the most we've ever had, I think. And, um, a lot of them were pretty new as well. I think in past years, it's kind of been people who have like played for quite a while. And I think this year it was more the youth kind of coming up. Um, so I think that that, presented a unique challenge because we really didn't have time to give them the proper tools to get a normal season in. You know, when you start practicing at the beginning of May, you have four months to get all the systems, get all the defensive looks, get all the touches with everyone. And so I think that we definitely had some practices that just speaking as a member of the D line, we're just kind of miserable because we just could not get it together. And it wasn't even one person's fault. It was just the, the like simpatico wasn't there yet. Um, and on, like, to be quite honest, the practice before uh, nationals was, was not great. And I was like, well, we're doing this. We'll see what happens. But um, I think that we also were playing against, you know, our offensive line, is quarterbacked by Brittany and Lauren, like two like literal world-class athletes and our O-line is just like incomparable. So I think that was a part of it. Um, and uh, I'd say like the tournament was kind of our TSN turning point. Like Saturday was, was, you know, we had some challenges, but it was kind of always in control. And um, I think that really propelled us into Sunday to feel good about where we were and feel good about how we were playing together. And that, um, let us to, you know, be able to pull out the W. Yeah, no, it's a uh, fair points there, Molly, but 
uh, I commentated that game, so I know there were some there were some hiccups along the way. So I'll ask for I'll ask you specific hiccups that I saw, which was that on your offensive line specifically, there were a couple times where just like simple drops happened, and it obviously caused turnovers for your team. So how did your team respond to those situations when your the players that you kind of mentioned had a couple you know uncharacter what they say uncharacteristic turnovers? I know Britt. Sorry to throw some shade at you right now, Britt, but you had a couple <laughs> uh, turnovers there early, and I was like, oh, like you know. Something could happen. So how did your team respond to those situations? Yeah. And to be fair to Britt, um, you know, Lauren was injured, so she also had some some hiccups. Um, I think that um, I was talking to Brittany about this actually just the other day, that what's awesome about our team is that we have all these amazing players, but we know that we can win without, like, one person one person is not going to make or break our game um we have the systems in place for that so i think that when those hiccups happened um i think we just kind of were like it's all you can really do is just give your teammate the space to feel upset about them but no one else is dwelling on it so you kind of can't let them dwell on it um and also honestly i i just want to show Brittany out because um, in past years, when she's had games like that, I think she's, um, it's hard to come back from that for any player. And, um, and she really, both of them, you know, Lauren and Brittany just kind of figured it out, got into their, got out of their own heads and then played spectacularly in the second half. So, um, yeah, I think it's more like the team mentality pulls everyone out. Good, good advice here too. So for those listening, if you want to, you know, eventually play for some of these teams or like at this level, you're getting some good advice on how to bounce back. So make sure you take notes here. And speaking of stumbling blocks, Robbie, I'm going to head to you right now. Furious. I was watching, trying to watch from the booth because you were playing Phoenix. There was a tent in the way. We were trying to, you know, get the camera over, but we couldn't really see it. We were getting tweets. Um, or retweets from Bobo there, Bobo telling us what was going on with your game. And it was a tight one against Phoenix in the semis. Can you first talk about that game um, and what that was like? Just like kind of all, all, it was all over the place for you guys in terms of your team. Obviously you came out with the W, but it was a tight one. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was a, a universe win and down at half uh, in the semis. And yeah, like Phoenix, Phoenix were good. Uh, like they're, they're a good team. Uh, we, I think at the start, we were getting turnovers on our D line, um, and we just weren't weren't putting them away. Uh, we, so our D line would get the disc and give it back, and eventually, with a, with enough goals at it, um, any O line is going to score. And Phoenix didn't need too many goals at it. Um, but I think there was a the moment for that game was actually at halftime. Uh, Matty B, our coach, um, saying to us, they they broke, I think, to take half. So they started on offense and they took half seven six, so back on par. And their sideline when they scored went absolutely crazy. And you know, our sideline's heads down, like offense just got broken, that's half time. There's not too much time left in these games, they're short. And Matty B, our coach, just said, like they're celebrating winning this game. They've they've took they've taken half time, but they're celebrating winning it. So let's go out and win it. And then that was D line coming out on D line. Then just got to get that train rolling, and we just needed one, and we got one. Hey, love the insight, and uh, you know the finals, Robbie. Also, 
so, you know, this is like a we could create a movie out of this out of this uh, tournament for you for your team here because uh, there were also some stumbling blocks because you were actually down a half if I'm not mistaken and uh, things were maybe not looking your way there. So uh, talk about the final as well against uh, Montreal Mephisto or Mephisto uh, based out of Montreal. I've been told to clarify. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, I think you had spoken about it in the commentary uh, when I was watching the game, Mike. So it was a point at eight oh, six. Gosh. <laughs> Mephisto eight six up. Um, that you know, if that goes nine six, there's not too much time left. But we eventually scored that. I think that was a multi-turn point. Um, and then from there, I think it went from eight six to like eleven five in the end, which is when the the point cap went on. Um, but yeah, a lot of the times, like in games like that, uh, I, like I don't know how all of our teammates do it, but I never know what the score is. Um, and I, rem- you kind of know if you're up or down, but usually not by how much. Um, and I remember turning to Fred at kind of halfway through the game. We were definitely down, but I'm not sure by how much. I'm just saying, like we've got this. this, this we've done this before. We'll do it again. And like at the end, at the end of the game, Fred was like. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like we, this is just like what we do. This is, seems to be part of our team identity now. Is it's just kind of that grit that we just believe we're going to win, even if we're down. Um, not knowing the score really helps that. <laughs> there was one time, yeah, Robbie, that... where I was oh, I was watching your game, and I was like, oh, I'll go check out the VC tent. I'll go to the washroom. I got stuck talking and not stuck. But I was talking to Danny Saunders for a while about the tournament and I came back and one of my teammates is like, it's the same point. <laughs> so there were some really long points in that game. Both teams clearly wanted it. It was it was really, really exciting. Yeah, like it was it was tough enough to play um to play good offense in, but also because the both offenses were still pretty good, it meant defense was kind of just grind them down. Like we had worked over the season that even as a D-line offense, scoring in one pass is great, but if you can keep the offense out on the field, that's going to help you further on in the game too. Um, and yeah, that was something that everyone seemed to take to heart, <laughs> including with this. So there was some super, super long points, really grindy, grindy points, and like they were going toe-to-toe with us the whole time. So, Robbie, last question here for you. I'm going to ask you maybe to spill a secret of how uh, your team over the years, you know, I referenced it on the broadcast, like 2012 when you came back. I don't believe you're on the team at that time, but against General Strike, this team has done it before. Like, is this something you train in practice with mindfulness or anything, or just something some of these players have just experienced over time and kind of bring it to the new players? Like, what's the secret here? Maybe you can't spill it all, but give us something. Yeah, it's it's kind of both. Like, if you have people like Morgan who has done this so often before, like he knows the game's not over and he shows it and he'll go out there. He'll be the first person on the line and you just need like seven people to follow him. Um, like he, he has no problem leading the, leading the line that way. But also with, also with, you know, our team strategy and our mindfulness, like we do a lot of visualization. We do a lot of how can you bring yourself to the positive sense, especially when it's done. Cause that's usually the hardest questions to answer. Like everyone likes thinking about your strengths and what makes you great. But the thing that we needed to work on as a team was when you get into a lower place, how do you bring yourself back up? And it's kind of that idea of being down uh, on the scoreline doesn't matter. We stick to our game and we know that like our D line knows as soon as we get the break train rolling, it's really hard to stop. 
All right. No, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. And red flag, we're coming to you now. Uh, were there, you know, you got to share now, were there stumbling blocks or turning points on the way for your victory there? Uh, I don't, I don't want you to say it was all smooth sailing. Cause I'm sure there was a, <laughs> you know, a hiccup, a hiccup here or there. Right. So why don't you uh, share that? Uh, I can start and if Katie has something different, then she can share. But I think one thing that was, I guess, a turning point or something about it was actually not at the tournament, but um, we had scrimmed kind of like a world game slash traffic slash furious contingent in early September on a weekend. And Maddie B, the coach of the world games, had helped set that up. And yeah, it was just like that game really showed that, you know, a lot of like that we weren't really at the level that we wanted to be at despite, you know, practicing for so long. Um, our team manager, Wesley, had filmed the game as well. So it was a really great opportunity to just watch ourselves play against really high-level players. And, 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 and no disrespect to people um, in the mixed division, but that team that we played against, we, you know, we were telling ourselves it was probably going to be, you know, the highest skill that we might play all season, you know, given that, um, they were part of the World Games contingent. So, yeah, I think that really helped us build for the next two, sorry, I guess three, four weeks um, from there to be able to come up with, you know, improving our game plan, um, figuring out what kind of to continue to do better, maybe things to stop doing, kind of things like that. Um, and it really kind of opened you know the leadership the coach's eyes to seeing like yeah what we could do better and then also um start planning um from there kind of the next the next steps so yeah katie anything to add there yeah no i was just definitely reiterating the fact that like that scrimmage specifically was almost like a little reset and check-in for our team um like after that scrimmage moving up to UCI's our practices got exponentially more intense like less turnovers way more drive like it was insane to see the difference after that for sure so thanks for sharing that Danny you got the spicy question coming up so uh <laughs> Why don't you, uh, I'll let you uh, ask it. This is like the least spicy question, but <laughs> you just like saying spicy. It should be like the, the contest know, of the podcast. How many times does Theo say spicy? Okay, here's this really That's spicy true. question. Um, I'm going to be spicy and not start with Molly this time. So we're going to start actually right away with Red Flag. Is there any shout outs you want to do for specific people on your team that are maybe not the people that are normally <clears throat> mentioned? So this is an opportunity for you to kind of like who really showed up at UCI, who kind of played outside themselves. Um, maybe who was a good teammate, that kind of thing. Um, any shout outs? Hmm. Too many, right? That's the problem. Yeah, you know, it, it, it feels so. Yeah. I mean, I, it's hard for me to pinpoint any singular person. Cause I feel like everyone had contributed in their own of course. way, both on and off the field. Um, yeah, as, as much as like I would love to, you know, mention certain players. Uh, yeah, it, I just it's hard for me to recognize any singular person. You know what? You know who I recognize? I'll recognize our coaches, Alex Lamb and Jonathan. <laughs> he, yeah. um, you know, come coming into a team that was, you know, kind of can't lie, not not an easy team to coach. Coming from open and um, women's from varying levels of experience, some with nationals, world's caliber experience, some without. 
Um, I thought, or I think Katie can agree that they did a great job um, coaching the team and really, um, yeah, just like, you know, giving that individual feedback when we needed it or being kind of the calming presence or even the hard presence. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would say. Okay, so... Sorry for the boring. No, answer, no, no. I'm gonna keep. Question. I'm not letting you go that easily. Okay, so okay, so you're playing. <laughs> See, that's why I said it was spicy because some of them might not want to answer it. So yeah, you give giving love <laughs> to your teammates. Okay, so maybe I'll ask this question to Katie then. <laughs> if you are playing against Union and you've got a tough matchup, the other team has this like star player. Who's who are you putting down on that person on defense? Give them a shout out. Are you O line? Surely it's Holly, isn't it? Who? Kali? Oh, yeah. yeah. Kali's just co- constantly or, or good, K-Tong. though. You know? I, I, I don't, I, yeah, K-Tong, potentially. Kevin Tong on the, yeah. the male matching players. I was thinking players. of K-Tong, but I don't know if we want to boost his ego so much on this uh, public podcast. So, okay, we'll, we'll cut that out. No, no props for K-Tong. We'll cut it out. <laughs> Man, man's ego is already too big right now. Hey, he's so, a hard uh, worker. I think he deserves every <laughs> shout-out he gets. Um... um. <laughs> I'm slowly drawing it out Thank of you. you and played pretty savage defense all weekend, nice. I think. Nice. Yeah. Cool. I, we just like yeah. names being on the podcast. It's it's nice to hear. hear you know names. what? You, you know who, who I'll mention as well? Our, our spirit captain, Justin Pondar. Um, <laughs> man, <laughs> man, man has really turn, turned a 180 and he, he did a great job, you know, over the weekend as well. It's not easy giving a lot of spirit speeches and, you know, talking to the teams after we win. So, um, yeah, I want to shout out Justin Pondar. Yeah. Justin, sorry for roasting you in the last episode. You're the real deal, bud. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Thanks for those responses. Okay. Ravi, do you want to shout out anybody on Furious? Were there any rookies that stood out this year potentially or some, some wily vets that just keep kicking it? Uh, yeah, we had yeah we had a good few. Um, just one coming from straight from the final. Uh, I thought Ari was incredible. Oh, uh, tell him you said so. He's on the, on the... <laughs> I think I've already told him, but yeah, he's, uh, I thought he was he was everywhere for us uh, on the on the D line, especially for that final. Um, we also had set up this mentor mentee system. Um, so for kind of vets, or it seems to be a vet is anybody who's non rookie. Uh, that can be a whole other discussion. But when we we linked up the rookies with people who weren't rookies, um, and yeah, I was super happy that my mentee Ricky McLeod. Oh, Ricky's um, so good. An absolute absolute X, demon. X red flag uh, player, Ricky McLeod. X red flag, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they make him good there. Um, but yeah, <laughs> he was he was an absolute demon. He was injured towards the end of the season, and I know he was a little bit disappointed to not be able to practice. Um, as much with his first year on the team, but yeah, I was, was glad that he saved himself and was able to come out during that weekend um, and play some absolutely savage defense. Yeah, I, I saw him make a really incredible layout block in one of your first games in pool play, and I was I was very I don't want to say proud of him. I have no part to play in his success, but I just and whenever like a rookie like pops off, you just like it's like a little my coach heart is just really pleased by that. Um, anyone else that you want to shout out, or do you want to leave it to? Ari, I'll inflate his ego later in the in the living room. But 
Uh, yeah, like I mean, I could I could keep going down the, down the list if you want to. Uh, another more. one that I. All right. Well, one of them that I'll mention is the third member of our coaching staff, which people who people might not know. So people will know Maddie B, uh, Maddie Barzan, and Alex Davis, um, both really well known in in ultimate circles in Canada. Um, but Chris Piet was our sports psychology coach um, for this year, and he did a huge amount of work helping us build up that resilience. Um, brought a lot of the team through one-on-one sessions too, brought the team through sessions. So huge shout out to him as well. Um, definitely an under the radar person in terms of Canadian ultimate, but deserves a shout out. Um, yeah. Then the, the rest of our roster, it's super fun, super fun to play with most of them. Uh, my roommates in the house were Dave, Yuchi, Vince and Morgan. So they were all great too. We were kind of trying to stay in, in our room pods for the weekend and, they made that weekend great. Yeah, it gets very intimate when you're not allowed to mingle with anybody else besides one room of people the whole time. So, all right, thanks for sharing, Robbie. And Molly, you're going to go last. Wow, look at me. Um, <laughs> I think I would start out with, um, we have this run one rookie. Her name is Nalima Basra. Um, and I actually don't even know her pedigree very well. I don't think she's ever played single gender competitive ultimate. I think she's played university. Anyway, she's super green, but she had like an unreal tournament. In our Stella game, she had like five Bs and they were like crazy skies. And she just like was reading a disc like a seasoned player and she's played for like two years. Um, I think like that was so exciting to see just because, you know, um, we just hurt seeing like what her potential could be. It seems like it could, you know, sky's the limit. Um, and that was really awesome. Um, <clears throat> I think another person that was really great, um, uh, our fellow captain, Jordan Marin, um, she had an injury earlier this season. Um, so she's been kind of out of commission. Uh, and she, <laughs> she was like, pushing herself around on this little scooter and it was like wet and like the scooter couldn't really move, but like it was such a welcome relief to have her on the sideline, you know, helping call lines, helping make decisions. Um, she like has been with the Sixers since day one. And in a lot of ways, it's kind of like the heart and soul of the team. So, um, and I know watching from the sideline for an athlete is like one of the worst feelings ever. So, um, I, I think we all really appreciated her still coming out and helping out and, and being a part of the win. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think, I kind of want to, okay, this it's less a player because as everyone has reiterated, everyone played amazing and I love everyone, <laughs> but there was one point in our Stella game where it was entirely rookies except for one player and it was like the longest point of the game. I think there were probably like four turnovers, but they ended up scoring it. And it was absolutely the most exciting point the entire weekend. It was just like so awesome. Everyone was contributing. It was just, it felt, it felt really good. So that like knowing where our rookie class can be and where they are now, that was like very exciting to see. So I kind of want to shout out, you know, Shout out the rookies. They've had a tough year and they've kind of blossomed in it anyway. So, yeah, I, I, I love that shout out because a lot of times, like if you've been playing for a long time, you've been playing lots of club, having a year off is, is maybe a good thing. But if you're kind of like that newer player, just coming out of high school, just coming out of juniors, 
it can be pretty devastating. It is like a big um, step backwards in development. So I love that you gave your your rookies an opportunity to kind of like show what they got against against Stella. That's sweet. They totally did too. All right, we're gonna wrap up uh, our uh, interview segment here. So. Uh, thank you for coming on. Is there anything else you want to add? Uh, you know, fun facts, uh, you know, potentially origin story of your team name. You know what I'm saying? So anything. I'd love to hear how the Furious George origin story came to be. I mean, tit for tat. If we hear the Furious George origin story, then we can hear the red flag origin story as well. So. I think the Furious George origin story is that somebody came up with the logo first, and that they named the had the name afterwards. Hmm. I can be t- you can fact check me on that one because I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure that's how it started. Hmm. There was also a fun fact for the Furious uh, George logo that there was a punk band called Furious George who took the logo and then had to be asked for it to be not used anymore by oh. like. Davis had to ask them to not oh. use the logo anymore. Wow. Because <laughs> it's so good that it's being used in non frisbee circuit. Wow. All right. Yeah, these these are the fun facts we're looking for here. So, uh, I mean, Sixers, some people want to know, well, I want to know, uh, where, like, is the name, like, Drake-related at all or, like, not Drake-related or, like, people were listening to Drake in a team meeting one day and want to come up with a name? Like, what was that like? Well, okay, this is probably going to get me in trouble, but yes. I actually don't really like the name. Um, we were supposed to be called Rain, like R-E-I-G-N, which is why we have the crown. But then some there's like a women's team in like Minnesota or something that had it. So um, I think it was just kind of like a panic decision. Like we were all <laughs> registered and then we really quickly had to change the name. Um, obviously like the six, you know, Drake popularized it, but it's like six areas. Or like six boroughs, kind of um, 416, 647, the two area codes. So, you know, it works. Um, we can do cheers from it. It gets the job done. Not a fan personally, but I like the team. You know, I, I actually really I like the name. The I like the vibe. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it like suits. It suits Toronto. It suits your style of play. But that's as an outside, an outside person, like. I feel like your your playing style is like very like run and gun and like letting people shine and I think that Sixers kind of embodies that but that's that's just me. That's you're, Thank you're, you. You're allowed to have that. your own opinion. <laughs> <laughs> that made me like it a little more. So thank you. <laughs> you can trade jerseys one day or something. Yeah. <laughs> there you yeah. go. <laughs> Danny and I actually had a bit of a spicy encounter in the final well i was spicy she wasn't you were not spicy you were lovely um i like watched the footage i'm like you do step in i can't really tell then there's a photo and i've already released it but it's like it's hard to tell i'm like i'm thinking about that a lot i'm losing sleep over it so (laughs) well i'm not so don't think about it anymore it's just one of those you know yeah Yeah, it's haunting me but well we'll get over it one day (laughs) (laughs) one day glow Danny, I actually oh, have huh? a question for you. Oh, yes. Oh. No, yeah. mm-hmm. no, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Oh. no we're going to move to a red flag. We're going to pepper them about their team origin story until no. he tells Our... us. Um, what Our... Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah. You go, you go, you go. <laughs> no, we don't have an origin story. We just went through the Rolodex and possible team names. And was like, 
you know, this team, pretty young, pretty dangerous, and yeah, you know, red flag. Also, an easy emoji to find on your Apple or whatever phone. So I'm gonna fact check you later, yeah. Guo. I know the uh, I know the origin. <laughs> it's, it's one of those secrets. It's like you know? PPF, I sort guess. Of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Except for I know, and I can out you at any time. <laughs> <laughs> we would we would never do that on the podcast. That would be like Danny. That'd be like subscriber, subscriber only. That's That'd be like true. super exclusive. Like hundred dollars. Join our Patreon, like, like a month. That kind of stuff, like that kind of content. Yeah. True. Okay, Molly. Molly, you said you had a question for Danny, though? (laughs) Yeah. um, When I was getting ready for this, I was listening um, to, like, the kind of recent ones. Um, I'm a bit behind on my podcast listening. Um, But you didn't say your predictions for how you thought the women's division was going to go down. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just wondering if you could let us know what, you know, how it played out, how your yeah okay okay i did have predictions i did have it all the way through um you know what i it's hard to predict iris coming forth like no one predicted that that was like a bit of a a a shock um congrats to fusion of course but um i had traffic winning in the when see the 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 problem is when we did our predictions the bracket changed so i had us losing to iris the first time and then beating them in the bid game so that's kind of how i saw it all falling down and i'm Theo, do you remember where I had Sixers? Did I have Sixers winning? I think you had them coming in like fifth or something. Yeah, so, maybe ninth. You know, like <laughs> yeah, that. yeah, something six, like that. Please, um, sixth. Yeah, I think because because Carla and people were like, "Oh, we have so many like young players. It's like a new rookie team." I was like, "Oh, maybe Sixers is not going to be that good this year or whatever." And then I thought about it, I'm like, "Oh, we have like twelve rookies on our team." I didn't think about that till <laughs> afterwards. I was like, "Well." They still have like their entire core still there, just balling out. So, um, I, I think I might have had Sixers um, in in third. So I was like wrong all across the board. So, thanks for asking. <laughs> sorry yeah, to traffic sorry for, for <laughs> hearing me that I didn't put you all first. <laughs> hey, you had them winning. You had you guys winning in the important game. That's all that matters. And I think like for our origins, not origins, but our, for our story this year, I think it's important for us to, to lose before USA use. Like, I think it taught us a lot about um, a little bit of our mental game and everything like that. So it's always like a gift in disguise because that was a not a strong effort by our squad. And we've been really kind of honing in on the things that we, um, the things that were highlighted to us that were deficiencies. So um, it was, it was a blessing in disguise. Obviously gold medal would have been nice, but it's okay. <laughs> you'll you'll take the the silver and the bid to uh Lebanon, Ohio. Lebanon. So uh, a great place to visit and uh you'll be there in 2022. So guests, thank you for coming on. I know uh some of you have university age players on your team that will be at CUC this uh coming weekend and mm-hmm. we're going to be previewing that in the next segment, so make sure you stay tuned for that, but just want to thank each one of them for coming on, giving up your time talking about frisbee. Uh origin stories of sorts and uh you know stumbling blocks along the way so thanks for coming on all right welcome to our cuuc preview so theo there's something really interesting about this tournament and that that there is a friday qualifier can you explain to me and everyone else who doesn't know what the heck that means what it is what's it all about yeah first of all i'm going to advocate for this for other tournaments too i know Charlie Eisenhood for our, you know, deep look podcast. He's talked about like a play in tournament for teams that like finished the 
in a game to go. They all come together and like play in some like mini tournament before. It's a good idea. Uh, the main tournament. And the reason why is because you get a second chance. So you don't make it in some of these qualifying tournaments, whatever it is, but you get another chance against teams that are also hungry. And uh, I mean, there's one team flying all two teams flying from pretty far away, Manitoba, the women's team and UVic, the open team that do not have bids right now to division one, the top eight teams in Canada and they're coming. So that's pretty cool. So yeah, uh, in open, there are two bids available and in women's, there are only five teams for women's fighting for three bids. So, uh, mm. you know, the odds are in, as uh, they say in a, a, a famous movie and book, the odds are made the odds be in your favor. I think they are there for open. There's a lot more teams than that. And, um, yeah, good luck to the open teams. But anyways, we're going to jump in women's division first. Danny, you're going to uh, talk about who you got advancing because, uh, yeah, it's I don't know. Is it spicy? We'll see. We're going to find out. I need to preface all of this by saying I'm going off of the names that I – like I look at all these rosters and I, I sure I look at the power rankings. Sure, I look at the results from these other tournaments, but I know that – a lot of these players are potentially were playing at UCI during these tournaments when these games are happening. So it's like, how much do you actually trust these results? I kind of just went with instinct. I went with looking at the roster. Okay. How many of these names do I know from like U20 tryouts and stuff like that? So that's kind of where I'm basing my information off of and sheer luck, hopefully. So I have Ottawa overtaking Western I have Manitoba overtaking McMaster, and I have Ottawa overtaking Laval A in that like play-in situation. Yeah, and then so then you'll have three teams, and and that's we uh, unfortunately are not going to show you the format, but basically there are three teams that end up in Pool Y that have to like play each other, and then the winner of that pool makes it. So um, for your sake, you have McMaster, Laval, and Western. So who do you have coming through in that uh, little three-team uh, play in there? Yeah, I have McMaster overtaking Western, Laval A overtaking McMaster, and Laval A overtaking Western. So I have Laval A finishing out on top in Pool Y, followed by McMaster, and then Western. Okay. All right. Ooh. I like the picks. I like the picks. And, uh, yeah, so I want to just echo what Danny said. Because uh, a joke was made to me the other day from one of our uh, passionate listeners there, Stephen Cruz, shout out, uh, Manitoba Zone. But he said, uh, Danny's list is going to be UBC Open and uh, UVic Women's, and that's it. So, and UVic Men. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah, and UVic Open. <laughs> so there you go. So the reality is we live on different coasts, and traditionally, and a lot of the audience will understand this, traditionally CUC is an Eastern event. Like, the most the the furthest west we go is Manitoba, like nowhere else. Like because Manitoba would come, but like you're not in Saskatchewan as well. Got to sh- give a shout out to Regina's open team there, but teams from BC normally don't come. So uh, Danny's experience with like and also a lot of the West Coast teams, their experience with the teams out here in Ontario and Quebec are going to be limited. So yeah, and unfortunately, we do not have the vast amount of game film that. Uh, other countries like the U.S., for example, have when they're doing their college previews and things. They can go back and watch a game from Stanford Invite, and then they can go watch a game all the way in the East Coast at Easterns and Florida Warm Up and Northwest Challenge and all those things. So just that, you know, Danny might be right after all. So she was right for some of her picks at UCI. So you got to give her some love right there. And, uh, yeah, what are my picks? So first of all, I have Ottawa also beating Western. 
I have Laval beating Ottawa. And then I have Manitoba. This is a sign of things to come. But Manitoba women's, you got to watch out. Looking at their roster, got a lot of fusion or a few fusion players on that team. And um, yeah, watch out for them. So I have them beating McMaster. And then in the little playing tourney, I guess you can call it, uh, McMaster, Ottawa, Western. I have Ottawa coming through um, based on kind of some of the names I recognize. And a uh, tough pill for McMaster specifically because they were very close. Uh, they were playing Waterloo in the game to go at Easterns and didn't get it. So that's one of those situations where uh, you get two chances and you don't get it, at least in our predictions. So that's on the women's side. Danny, why don't we jump over to the open? Because that's that's way spicy just because there are so many teams and only two bids. So that is like, it's it's very tricky. Yeah, this was admittedly really challenging for me. So Full S, I have... Laval winning both games, Toronto winning their game against Regina, and Regina losing both games. Do you want me just to go through all my pools? Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, yeah, let's do that. You go through all your pools and who's going to make it to the qualifiers, and then I'll do the same. Uh, just for people to know, it's going to be four pools of three, and then um, basically two pools of the top teams from uh, the different pools will play each other. So there'll be like two game-to-goes. So there are no, like, if you lose the game to go, you get a play in. It's not like that. So the seeding and the pot draw that happened, that's like, you know, that's the luck of the draw, as they say, because you could be in a kind of, I think there's one side that's a little bit heavier talent-wise than the other, and I think that's going to benefit certain teams and, and, and hamper certain teams as well. So anyways, you said Laval, Toronto, Regina, and then what do you have uh, further on? So for Pool T, I have... Um, this might come as a surprise to the Hucking A audience <laughs> that I have UVic winning both their games. Crazy. And then Guelph beating Waterloo B. In Pool U, I have Ottawa winning both games and then Western winning a game and then Sherbrooke coming in last, which I think is going to be my spicier take potentially. And then in Pool V, I have Carlton winning both their games, Laurier winning one game, McMaster losing twice. Ooh, tough. Okay. Tough for the and then, team from Hamilton. Oh, you're playing games. What are they? Okay, so I have, like, the bid games. Yeah, bid games. Bid okay, games. so I have Carlton overtaking Laval. I have Victoria overtaking Ottawa. So yeah, Surprise, surprise there. But So Carlton and Victoria moving through. All right, I like the picks. Um, someone may have similar picks, so... Uh, let's go through, yeah, I'll go through my pools. Um, maybe, uh, for the actual, uh, uh, preview of like uh, division one, we'll go through the pools like at the same time. Uh, but for this, we'll just, uh, you know, you go through your picks first and then mine. So I also have Laval U of T. I, they ain't going to be happy with this because I know some people on that team. So prove me wrong, Toronto. You've had results that I think many people would say were, would be like sub part of what they think U of T could do. So. Maybe you'll throw a little surprise in there and 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 beat Laval, but I'm, I want to see it. You know, show us, uh, show me the money, kind of thing. So uh, that's what I have in Pool S, Pool T. I got the same thing. Waterloo B. I love that you're in this uh, twelve team little bracket here. Love to see that. But uh, I do have Victoria uh, beating Guelph and Waterloo B. And then I have Ottawa. Tough, but I have Ottawa beating Western Sherbrooke. So Ottawa coming first, and then I have. Carlton also beating Laurier and McMaster. So sets up uh, what I think is kind of the tougher side, which is the 
Carlton Laval side, just because I think there's some pretty good teams in that side of the bracket, but or those two pools. But I have Carlton with their Ottawa Outlaws slash Phoenix players taking down Laval, and then I have Uvic. I found out Sean Bennett is on this team. For those who don't know, been on that team forever. Yeah, I well clearly I don't know the West Coast, but he played U twenty fours when he was how old, Danny? Like a out of just out of the womb, really. He was 18. Yeah, same, same. Playing U24 Open. So when you got someone on the team like that, you got to give a shout out. So uh, Carlton, you, Vic, I also have you winning uh, and then moving on. So uh, before we move here uh, into the actual like pools for Division One, um, any thoughts that you have, Danny, before we even get into that? So just, uh, you know, any other... Uh, preliminary thoughts before i get into some history we're gonna do a quick history lesson before we get into the actual picks um no it does make me feel good that we have the same teams making it through it makes me feel like i'm potentially not super far off so yeah give us a history lesson there theo so the quick history lesson is gonna be this for those who don't remember who won in the last like two cucs that we've had so just a, a little recap here queen's the last two CUCs, and we're going to start in women's again, so I'm going to have to scroll down here on my list. So Queens came in second twice. So they're coming for that revenge tour. Laval came in first in 2018 and 2017, um, and then came third in 2019. Um, U of T came coming in first in 2019, didn't even make it in 2018. So that's sort of like a little bit of the history there. Uh, Waterloo's been a perennial contender in the top eight. We'll see if they can break through. They finished uh, sixth last time. McGill coming in fourth in 2019. So, Danny, a lot of these teams have been here before. Uh, obviously, we had the COVID year, so we'll see uh, what that experience brings. Thank you for that. I feel like I just got an education, and I feel more confident about my picks, really. So, it's a service. I mean... I, I try to do the service for the people, but here's the here's a predict, uh, preview of my prediction. Manitoba, the open team coming in first in 2019 over the, you also can't say this name anymore, but the Rams, coming over the Rams. The Rams have fallen off ever since, sorry to say. They lost all like their top players, Jason Huynh, Brenton Tan, Kieran Charnock. They're all gone, not playing on that team. So, uh, yeah, the Rams have gone down, but... Laval A came in third in 2019. Queens coming in fourth. McGill coming in fifth. Waterloo Carlton rounding out uh, seven and eight there in 2019. But Queens off the back of uh, a couple of players that you might know in the audience. Mike McKenzie, Riley Toogood was on. Or sorry, Reese Toogood. Sorry, Reese. Reese Toogood was on that team. But Queens had a lot of strong players. They came in first in 2018 with McGill coming in second. Manitoba coming in fourth in 2018. Dalhousie played in 2018, but, you know, we're not seeing them this year. So that's a little bit of the history lesson for that. And, uh, yeah, a lot of history uh, in terms of the teams, like, having experience in these big games. So uh, let's jump into the pick, starting with women's. Danny, we'll start with the first pool. Uh, based on your playing games, who do you have in the first pool? So I have... It goes in, in order, Toronto, Queens, Ottawa, and Manitoba. And I've dubbed this the pool of death because when I look at all those teams, I could see any of them being in semifinals. So it's um, 
that's going to be a fun one to watch. Like I look at every game like, oh, this is a game to watch. Oh, this is the game to watch. Oh, this is the game to watch. So um, it's going to be a lot of good competition for these teams. It might be unfortunate if the teams end up being in third and fourth because maybe they could have done a bit more damage if they were in the other pool. But anyways, we have uh, Toronto. I have them finishing with three wins. They've just got strong players. They've got Sarah Ma, they're both the DeSantos, Reeve Chan. Like it's, it's star-studded. It's hard to not see them as the favorite, but then you look at the Queens roster. I have them finishing two and one. Their only loss being to Toronto. They have Valerie. She was a U twenty athlete. Victoria McCann, Win G, just like Yeah, okay, that's good too. And you just keep rolling. For Ottawa, I have them kind of playing in and to this pool, I have them losing all of their games, but I I think that a lot of their games are going to be really close because they also have Emily Cavanaugh, who was also on U20 the year I was supposed to be coaching, Lana Ramick. So these are names that I'm like quite familiar with, and I know that they're going to do a lot of damage on the field. And then I have Manitoba with one win coming out of this pool. But as with the Open team, we think that this – we I know you and I both think that this team is really strong. So not counting them out, but I'm definitely counting them – finishing third in pool play and they have Caitlin Cho, Carol, Carol Jean Wong, Sam Burridge. They've got a lot of really good players coming out of the fusion and the MoFo system. Danny, I appreciate your history lesson right now in terms of some of the players that have played for team Canada and things like that. So uh, the hucking audience does appreciate that. And I actually don't have the pool the same way you do. So, you know, throw, throw a little shade maybe at a, a team from Kingston, but uh, I have Toronto finishing first. And I have Manitoba. I am high up on this team just uh, knowing that some of their players just came off a pretty exciting uh, run with Fusion there. And they're going to ride that momentum into coming in second. I have Queens coming in third. And Laval, sorry to say, I have you coming in fourth. So that is my pool A. I'm riding with some momentum here. But uh, what do you got for pool B? For pool B, I have... In order uh, for seeding, Victoria, McGill, Waterloo, and Laval, A. And so I end up, ha- I have McGill winning all of their games in this pool, Laval winning two games, Victoria winning one, and Waterloo finishing with zero wins. And a couple names I want to note on the different teams for Victoria they have Arabella Brudney, who is also U20, Kaya Peterson. I've seen her at a lot of prospect camps, a lot of um, tryouts and stuff. And Having her on this roster is going to be a really big boost. Monica Devonshire has been playing and captaining for a long time. Taryn Webster, they've got a lot of really solid players. And I'm so excited to see them play here. I They're a total like, guest to me. Like I know a lot of these players and I think that they're sick, but they could just pop off. Or maybe I, like, I'm willing to admit if I'm wrong about them, but I think that they're going to do really well out of this. So even though I have them finishing third, I think that they're going to be be making some noise in bracket play. For McGill, they got Joy Zhu, they got Chloe Merritt, Dominique, Maglio, Hannah Smith, all these people that I ha- I'm familiar with from BC. So they have a lot of BC players. Waterloo also has some BC players and some U20 kids that I know, Tiffany Zhang, Raina Kwok, Phyllis Yang. So I just like look at all these rosters and there's so many familiar names. I was just like, roll a die and just like guess and Lavalier, they have Virginia Meltes. I know she played a lot of, I think she played U24 mixed and I don't know if she played a second time, but obviously a very talented player. So yeah, I have it. McGill, Laval, 
Uvic, Waterloo in that order. Yeah, I think I'm I think right now, Danny, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull an on the air fact check. Let's go. So I just wanted to clarify one of your players. I believe Rachel is not playing for Waterloo, but I believe she plays for York. And maybe I could get fact checked and I'm wrong on that. I didn't say Rachel. But, uh, she is not I think you just associated Rachel with Tiffany. But uh Raina Kwok? Rachel is not on Raina Kwok. Where am I looking? That's a Richmond kid. That's not somebody from your woods. Did I just fact check your fact check? Oh, get wrecked. I don't even see your name on the roster, though. Where am I looking? Oh, I see it now. Wow, I just got wrecked. So the fact checker gets fact checked. You're right there, Danny. <laughs> Do apologize. So, uh, all right, we're going to move on with that uh, uh, fact checking counter there. So, <laughs> love it. So, Pool B. You know, you, Vic, I hate to do this to you, Duh. but I got you going winless. I got you going 0-3. Oh, They're not going to like me for this, but I got you going winless. Um, you know, a little birdie uh, told me, you know, I've said this before, but this actually is like legit. A little birdie that I'm talking to right now told me that uh, UBC, uh, when they played Victoria at Western's, the CWUC, were missing a lot of those players because they were playing with traffic or, or doing other things, right? Like, UCI or something. It wasn't it wasn't UBC. It wasn't UBC. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so uh would UBC be beat UVic? I think so, based on like the talent that they have on traffic and things like that and red flag. Uh so I think their seed is a little bit overinflated just because they're coming from the West Coast. And yes, they've done well previously in the US series, but I'm not sure if they've actually made US nationals recently. Um, can you clarify that there, Danny? Yeah, I think the last time they made it would have been 2015. Yeah. I'm going to have to look that up before we, uh, yeah. So anyways, um, yeah, I'm not too high up on them, but Hey, they could prove me wrong. I'm actually high up on McGill with the pedigree of a lot of those players returning from their team or some of them. And, uh, I think they have the experience and and they did well against Laval at CQUC. So I'm going to pick McGill to come in. Uh, first, and then I have Waterloo coming in second. Like I said in the history lesson, Waterloo's been perennially at uh, Division One, and I think they're going to continue to try to break through to the, the top four and then eventually hope to make it to the finals. Uh, and then Ottawa, with some of the players that you already mentioned, I have them coming in third. So McGill, Waterloo, Ottawa, Uvic, and that gives us a quarterfinals that will be different. So why don't you share your quarterfinals first? Yeah, so I have Toronto overtaking Waterloo. I have Manitoba overtaking Laval. I have Ottawa taking over McGill. And I have Queens overtaking Victoria. Should I keep going? Wow. Should I keep going? Yeah. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. So my semifinals, this one is going to be so exciting. And I know that we we would have seen this matchup in pool play in my version anyways, with Manitoba versus Toronto semifinal. I have Toronto come out on top, but I think that that – I could be wrong there. Like Manitoba's roster looks so exciting to me. Um, and then I have Queens and Ottawa in the other semifinal and I have Queens overtaking Ottawa. And I think that that might be a bit of an easier game compared to the other semifinal. And I have Toronto winning the whole thing um, with Manitoba finishing in third. And uh, could you just, just entertain the audience? Do you have a score line for that final? Like it's games of 13, I believe. So uh, what do you got? 13, 11. I'll type it in right now. I'm locking it in. 
you're locking in the picks. I just want to even make sure that it is games to 13. I believe that is true. But uh, we might as well uh, check before we announce. Yeah, games are to 13. So there you go. Uh, for my quarterfinals, I mean, you got the one and two seeds uh, hopping in the quarters uh, based on what I what I predicted. So Toronto's going to beat UVic. Waterloo Queens love that quarterfinal matchup. Uh, Queens taking that. And then McGill, Laval in the little Quebec matchup with Miguel, Miguel, McGill winning. And then Manitoba taking down Ottawa. And so in the semifinals, I have Toronto beating Queens and McGill beating Manitoba. And McGill's run does end in the final. I also have U of T just with the sheer talent that they have. When I was told that Sarah Marr was also on the team and then um, Jade was telling me that Crystal was on the team too, along with the people they already had, I was like, that's not fair. So U of T, I, they, they could lose, but I just see it really hard for them to lose based on the talent that they have. Um, especially in, in university where um, some of the, there's like a bigger talent discrepancy. I think you would agree to this, Danny, where like some people have like a lot of elite level experience playing with like, you know, teams like Sixers or Goat or things like that. And then a lot of players that just started playing or haven't played at a very high level. And so um, obviously with division ones, gonna be a little bit different, but when you have those high top end players, um, they're going to be playing multiple points in a row. Like we saw, Sarah Jacobson do, for example, with Fusion, you're going to see that. You see that even in the U.S. College Series as well, where some players are playing like five points in a row. So I think they're going to ride their stars to the victory. And I have Manitoba coming in third over Queens as well, or at least getting the third place bronze medal. I remember UVic, there would be a tournament I'd go to. We play seven or eight games and I could count on one hand the amount of times I wasn't on the line. Like that's really? college ultimate. Yes. If you, if you're on a team that's not deep, you're on every point. So <laughs> agree with your statement. Could not walk after, but it was very good for my cardio. Especially when as traditionally in, you know, 2019, when I commentated, it was great weather. So I loved it. I was in shorts commentating and I brought like a winter jacket, roots, sweatpants. Like I was in, ready to embrace the cold, but it was great. But if it is windy and cold, uh, you know, you're not cutting as much as a lot of zone points. So you need those elite throwers on the field. People that are used to handling the disc, especially in windy conditions. And when you have those people that play at a high-level club, they're probably, even if they're cutters on those club teams, they're probably going to have stronger throws than people who haven't played at that level. So you got to go You got to go with the, the, the talent there and, and ride them out. So yeah. I agree to you what you just agreed to. Agreed. Normally, we don't always agree, especially with our picks. We and fight a lot. This is definitely going to be we true. We do fight a lot. This is off air, off air. Um, <laughs> it's definitely going to be true in open, though, because uh, we sure we have the same playing games, but I know we uh, predict things a little bit differently. So why don't you start off with uh, your pool C? Uh, what do you got in open there? So the order that the pool falls into is Manitoba, McGill, Waterloo, Victoria, I have Manitoba winning all of their games, UVic winning two games, McGill winning one, and Waterloo winning none. So I kind of have my spiciest picks is that I think Victoria is going to be beating McGill. Like that's my flavoristy flavor. I like it. Um, since you kind of gave some insight into the teams, I'll kind of do the same for Open, just, uh, you know, the divisions we're more familiar with. So Manitoba doing a little research here, every single player from uh, my source there from Manitoba 
told me that every single player has played for the MoFo system, and if you watch Canadian Junior Ultimate, then you know MoFo's you know perennial top three, top two finals team. You know they're always there. So the fact that they have that, and also a lot of TC players, and some of the players are probably a bit angry right now because of General Strike's performance at UCI. So maybe you know I use the argument that Fusion's going to come in with a momentum. But maybe Manto was going to do the opposite. They're going to try to reverse the voodoo and uh, the bad momentum that they had uh, at UCI. McGill, they are led by someone I'm really excited to see play on the live streams, and that's Hayden Stone. He was on Mephisto's offensive line. You even know who he is, Danny, and I don't think he played out in BC. No, you just hear the names of like top juniors coming out of different places. Yeah, I saw him play in 2019. Uh, and this uh, past year, he was also playing with Double Wide in Austin, Texas. Uh, unfortunately, that team did not make nationals in the U.S., but uh, getting that experience there is going to help them, and they have a few players back from their uh, 2019 team that I was able to commentate as well at, at uh, the 2019 championships. Waterloo, you know, a lot of, I know a lot of these players. A lot of them are friends of mine. I've captained a, a bunch of them. A lot of them played for either GT or Hound this past summer uh, and played with those teams at UCI. So Waterloo, you got to watch out for them. But did they peak too early? They won at Steel Town. The finals, remember I told you this? It was like, I got to double check the score line, but it was like the other team scored two points. Do you remember this? I told you that? Yeah. They beat Western like I think 15-2 or something. I'm just looking at the the score line here. But it was, uh, yeah, a pretty, handle, you know, pretty handy uh, defeat there. So um, will they be, did they peak too early is my question. So uh, we'll find that out. Uh, soon, yeah, 15-2 was the scoreline, which is uh, tough. And then uh, we got Uvic bringing up the rear, and I'm a little nervous to pick that because I think, like I mentioned with Sean Bennett and, and those players, uh, you mentioned some, say his name again, Justin, Justin uh, Patanuzo. Patanuzo has also played TC, and his brother would have made it as well, you said, uh, if it happened. Um, no, so no, his brother is trying out. He's a prospect for U20, so. Oh, he's a prospect, so yeah. he could make it is what you're saying. Yeah. Watch out for him. So that Waterloo UVic game is, uh, I would say the Waterloo UVic game is one I want to watch. And then the Manitoba McGill uh, for first place, like that's some spice. But I have it going, uh, I guess, chalk. You know, I don't like to pick chalk in the picks, but I'm going chalk here in Pool C. I think UVic's going to prove you wrong, and I'm super excited. Hey, you can they can at me on uh, the Huckin' A Instagram there. Yes. Okay. For Pool D, the pool went UBC, Montreal, Queens, and Carleton. And I actually have them going to chalk. I have them finishing in that order with UBC winning all of our games. What a surprise that I think that. How can you even vote against this UBC squad? Sorry. It is literally their tournament to lose, in my opinion. Like, wow. that That is like I – love, I love the confidence and, you know – I'm, I looked at their roster, and uh, I had we got a message from uh, Ty Bar. I hope I'm saying his last name right, Barbieri. Barbieri. Barbieri, and he messaged us and said, you know, the schedule's up, whatever, whatever. And he's like, I'm like, you're playing with UBC. He's like, oh yeah. And I, I for some reason, I either thought he graduated or something happened. I didn't think he was there anymore. So the fact that he's on this team, you got um, Jonah Lee Ash and Tim Sang on the coaching uh, behind the clipboards. Bringing that furious experience, love that. Vincent Bola, everyone knows who he is. Um, Toronto kid. And uh, Nicholas Chang, I've heard that name before. Jesse Watt is another Toronto kid. So 
Uh, they got some players. Devin BP, uh, Philip Craigle, yeah. Jesse Watt, Justin okay, Podner, Kevin Tong. We have all of these people who just Yuchi won. Yuchi yeah, Yuchi Lin. Yuchi Lin just won a gold medal for adults club. Like, how can you bet against this team? Come on. Thomas Carpenter, he was like one of the best U20 kids when he was a junior. Forget about yeah, it. I, yeah, I don't think uh, – so, you know, sometimes uh, I think people are being homers. But in this situation, I do not think Danny's actually being a homer. I think she's just being objective with, like, the talent that UBC has. But, uh, you know, in the pool, Montreal, don't sleep on them. Like like I was telling you off air there, they pretty much can feel the whole line of Mephisto players, which is nice. Will they have the depth that maybe a UBC has? I don't know. I don't think so based on kind of the roster. Um, and then Queens, you got two goal players to build behind the young uh, Eli Park. Uh, we went to the same high school. I'm not sure if I ever brought that up. That's always a fun fact I'd like to share. Along with Wilkie Lewis, a bunch of young bucks on that team as well. Jesse Watt's brother, Sam Watt. There's a few other juniors from Toronto area that are in there as well. So uh, can Queens do it? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. And then the last seed in that pool is Carlton, who I'm – don't think I've put it together quite yet. They lost to Queens and Ottawa in the Eastern qualifiers um, in tight games. I, I like the talent. Hopefully they can put it together. Ottawa Outlaws players, Phoenix players putting it together. So I have in that pool, UBC winning. Is that a surprise? I don't think so. Uh, maybe later on it will be uh, when I tell you my other picks related to them. But I have UBC winning. Montreal coming in second. Carlton getting revenge on the team from Kingston. Coming in third, and then Queens bringing up the rear in fourth. Uh, Queens not gonna like that, and they're gonna, you know, prove me wrong. So I like, I like to see people get motivated, Danny, because yeah. uh, you know, one thing that we do with our picks is to try to motivate the people. And we know that it's working, so I'm happy to hear that you also are on the UBC train. UBC, this is your call out. Got to bring that mental toughness. People think you're gonna take it home. Now it's your job to take it home. And we thought the same thing with Red Flag and Furious. They were both heavy favorites. It was there to lose at UCI, and they got the job done. So just go get the job done, I guess. So bracket play? Bracket play. Okay. So I have Manitoba overtaking Carleton. I have Montreal overtaking McGill. UBC over Waterloo. And I have UVic beating Queens. Spicy. Okay. So for my semifinal matchups, there's Manitoba-Montreal, and I have Manitoba winning that game, which I think is going to be a good game. But anyways, and then I have UBC playing UVic, unfortunately. Ooh. And that is a good game. Anytime those two teams play, it's really exciting, and it's actually quite close. But I do have UBC obviously winning because I think that they're going to win the whole thing. So UBC overtaking Manitoba in the finals, and I have Montreal finishing in third. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't even get a chance to say this earlier, but uh, in related to you, Vic, like, I just want to give you a, a kudos for coming out to the to the championships without a bid in hand. Like, I love the confidence and the moxie and just like betting on yourself. So do appreciate that there. Uh, so for my quarterfinals, I have uh, Manitoba defeating Queens, Montreal beating Waterloo, UBC and you, Vic in the quarters and uh, UBC winning and then McGill Carlton with McGill winning. And then in the semis, I have Manitoba defeating Montreal. I think their talent's just a little bit too strong. Um, and then UBC McGill, I think that's going to be one of the most exciting games to see. 
but I have the birds from Vancouver taking it. But in the final, I do not have UBC winning. Oh my gosh. Manitoba, I'm picking you. Prove me right, Manitoba. The Mofo legacy, will it continue? Can they ride the anti-momentum of UCI to beat UBC? It's going to be on the live stream if it's in the final. I'm, I actually will not be commentating, sad face, Danny. Maybe you could fly in from Victoria, or sorry, Vancouver, and commentate or something. Because I think that would be both finals in, in the divisions would be super exciting. Are you going to be watching, though? I'll actually be working, so I don't even know how much I'll be watching live. That's, oh, I was going to say, we should do a watch party, time. and then we could watch the game, and then anytime one of us loses, we have to do like a million burpees or something. But you have a job now. Good for you. Yeah, so unfortunately, I will not be able to, to commentate that. I'll be uh, at the Ontario University Athletics Baseball Championship, so I'll be covering uh, the baseball championships there. And uh, in the bronze medal game, I have McGill – Taking out Montreal, Hayden Stone, Colberry, riding you to the bronze medal game. So those are our picks. We'll see what happens. By the time this uh, comes out, the power rankings that Danny and I have made will also be out, um, along with kind of the voted picks by the captains. This is a really cool project that we both got to take part in, which was making our votes and then having people that were playing make the votes for themselves and seeing that. You know, some people, they voted themselves number one, whereas other people voted their team a little bit lower. And some teams or some players were kind of humble about it and were like, I'm not going to pick my team number one. I'm picking my team number four. So we do like the different picks, and uh, those will be out by the time this is recorded. And then we're also doing picks contests, right, Danny? We do all the things. And I do want to give – I don't want to say a shout-out because we say that a lot. I'm going to give – you also say kudos a lot. I'm going to give you props – Theo, because you've been doing, you've been hustling to get these power rankings out and you've been doing a lot of work to make them look really good and to gather and to get engagement from the community. So I think it's a really important part of what we're doing. So um, props to you. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll receive your props. I receive it. And uh, yeah, well, I, first of all, I want to be, I want to thank the people that have been even you know, they, they commented on the post or messaged us personally and were like, hey, we're, are, is there going to be a national power rankings? Like, I think someone commented, uh, if there's no national power rankings, we're going to riot or something. I'm not sure if you saw that. Yeah. But someone did write something like that. So, you know, we got to give the people what they want. I thought, you know, people weren't going to be able to uh, vote properly based on the fact that, like, none of these teams have played each other from, like, the different regions. It's not like, you know, a tournament, like, in the States, like, Easterns, where teams from the West Coast will fly over. So we'll go with what we know and, and put the power rankings out. And thank you for those who uh, dealt with my messages or our messages and um, filled out the form. So that's a good time. But picks contest, uh, we still have to, by the time this comes out, the, the picks contest should be out. But uh, you should take part in it because if you win, you get a not a full year, I know, I know. We can't offer two full year subscriptions here. So we're going to give you a three month. Hey, that's still better than nothing. Three-month subscription to Ulti World. Uh, Daniel, I, who won last week, he already told me. He was binge-watching, like, Sprocket games because Brenton Tan's on that team, and he was just like, I'm loving my prize. So you could be like <laughs> Daniel and just watch a lot of games with that subscription, right, Danny? Yeah, I, I personally have a subscription for Elevate, and I watch games all the time. Instead of watching Netflix, I'm eating, and I'm watching, like, schwa play or whatever and i'm getting like psyched for usa nats there's tons of stuff to explore on there it's definitely worth it just worth every penny 
Yeah. So even if you uh, don't subscribe, you should. I know their subscription drive is happening right now. It helps projects like ours kick off and, and run. Um, puts a little, you know, money in their pocket, uh, which in turn allows them to uh, hire people. Yeah. <laughs> hire people so they're not doing yeah. everything themselves. Yeah. Definitely yeah, hire people and also just go to tournaments and, and all those things. So, uh, yeah, subscriber only. We're going to be talking about spiking like we talked about earlier. So uh, that will be a fun time talking about spiking because everyone has different views about it. But uh, but not yeah, us. That wraps up our main event. Yeah, not us. We have similar <laughs> views, which uh, people will find out subscriber yeah, only. Any last in. thoughts you have, Danny? Um, no, I'm, I'm really excited to see – the results roll in this weekend please engage with us if you are a college team and you're making posts tag us in your stories we'd love to like share everything possible we want to hype up your team shout out your teammates just like be really engaged and active because i think a lot of places and a lot of ultimate players in this country don't necessarily have a good pulse on what the college scene's all about and like i didn't understand anything about college in the east i was like you only play for like two months what the heck is going on it did not make any sense to me so educate the people tag us in this stuff we will share it for you good luck out there if you're a team that i predicted to do well do well if you're a team that i didn't predict to do well of course i want you to do well just not as well so (laughs) yeah you're gonna be flying that uh provincial british columbia flag on saturday and sunday as you will yeah your teams to victory there but yeah tune in for that um I am also will not be doing the stream, but uh, Sports Canada TV will be doing it from what I know. And um, there will be commentators and things. So definitely tune in. You won't hear the uh, sweet, sweet sounds of uh, Danny or Theo on the broadcast. But hey, that's okay. Next time. We'll riot. We'll get there next time. All right. We're going to head to our little outro. So we'll see you there. We'll be right back. That was a girthy episode you knew i was gonna say you like the word spicy i like the word girthy okay so that was a girthy episode if you are still with us congratulations this was a marathon but worth it because not only did we get to hear from all of the winners of uci but we got to talk a lot about cuc and our predictions and kind of how the pools are going to play out so it's a jam-packed episode but i think it was worth it theo how are you feeling about that interview with all of those stud ultimate players yeah, I'm hoping for like maybe a Space Jam moment where I can like suck out some of their talent and put it into me so that I can become better <laughs> at Frisbee. So uh, that's what I'm hoping for. But yeah, it was obviously it was great to hear from all of them. And, um, you know, it's easy to think, OK, these elite level teams, they don't go through any hiccups or, or put things in place. They're just good. But that's obviously not the case if you listen to all the teams. Like, for example, Red Flag purposely um, throwing like to different gendered people so that you get practice with that furious doing their mindfulness sixers had their own things too especially with the rookies and things and just having more rookies and, and building their pipeline for the future so all these teams are, are putting measures in place and uh i think it's good for you the hockey day audience to hear that so that if you want to make one of these teams as i already said in that interview this is your chance to kind of just learn and soak in the info plus it's some good laughter as well some good uh origin stories happening too you know yeah, I think one of these days we're gonna we're gonna pay somebody or we're gonna get somebody on the pod that's gonna leak the red flag origin name story. We're gonna expose them. It's gonna be like you heard it here first, hot off the press. So we're coming for your red flag, even though I do know the answer. I can't. So do I. I can't say it. 
I can't say it. I can't say it. It's not my, it's not my place. It's not my team. Um, although I am wearing their jersey right now because I played for them last year. So I'm a, I'm a Wait, believer. Is that okay. how you heard the story or no? No, it's not. I, um, I cannot name my sources. So moving away from that part. Okay. First CUC, I know we didn't really talk about this, but there's going to be some athletes that might not be able to make it to all of the tournament, correct? That is absolutely correct. So there are World Games tryouts happening. Um, you know, maybe a little bit of oversight from us, but the reality being like um, of all the athletes that are playing, there's only going to be a select few. Danny, as you know, that will will be even trying out just because a lot of them are going to be out of university, you know. Um, so there are tryouts happening in the same place, Brampton, Ontario. So specifically, um, something to look out for is on Saturday, the tryouts are from 1 to 5. So maybe some of those people trying out might play a couple morning pool play games. But on Sunday, it's going to be tough because it's from 10 a.m. till 1 p.m. At least that's what's listed on the Ultimate Canada registration. So um, based on our calculations here, if you're a, a women's player there, you could play the final at 1.30 because it would be done at 1. And then if you're on the open side, you could play the semi and finals. So you might get a little added reinforcement, but how, like, what shape will they be in after just going hard for three hours at a World Games tryout? Like, do you even want to play them at that point? Are they just going to be sidelined? Because they're going to be pretty dog-tired as well. What do you think? I think if you're a World Games tryoutee or caliber player, you're going to make a difference whether you're tired or not. So I think having those reinforcements can't can't hurt. So... I'm really excited to see how everything shakes out this weekend. I'm going to be following along, religiously scrolling on my phone, refreshing constantly to find out whether you and I were accurate or not. Because I know we've been getting a lot of chirping on, on the Instagram, and I want everyone to know that if you follow us on Instagram, thank you, and we love it. And if you don't follow us on Instagram, what are you doing? Yeah, we posted – so by the time this episode comes out, the power rankings would have already been posted, and there's some you know chatter about them and – our followers have grown through that. So that's really awesome. Thank you so much for doing that. And yeah, it was just a cool, fun way for us to engage the community and have people uh, vote on who they think is kind of the top eight teams and, and teams that haven't qualified yet that are going to qualify on Friday. And uh, yeah, if you didn't get picked, don't come at us because we didn't make the picks. Uh, we just like funneled all the picks into the top eight. So really, you got to blame everybody else, the voters, the captains and coaches who uh, voted. Yeah, blame so, each other, not us. And as uh, Danny, as we as we said in one of the comments on Instagram, some teams have a target on their back, and some people like that, some people don't. So I know UBC right now, open team. You got a target on your back, so are they going to rise to the challenge? Are they going to cave under it all? We're going to find out, right? Yeah, um, they won't cave. So UBC. And UVic. Yeah, this is definitely not a UBC UVic Homer podcast, but we do have a host that does like those schools. So anyways, uh, you can follow us on social media, all those things. Um, next week, we'll be doing our review, uh, kind of like recap of CUC. Maybe we'll have some winners. You know, you guys stay tuned for that. And we get to do something cool because um, by the time this comes out as well, you will have probably seen the pools for USA Ultimate nationals traffic shout out you're the only canadian representative so we're all cheering you on here from from the great north and so uh we're gonna talk about their pool um you know they got raleigh phoenix uh who else is there chicago nemesis and pittsburgh parcha i'm glad i got that even on the memory bank there dang i'm, not even I'm looking impressed at the screen. it's amazing 
Well, I was just analyzing your pool and your chances, you know. So uh, we'll talk that and, and, and talk about some of their preparation, what they've been doing. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting ride for them. Obviously, they're going to have to do some COVID protocols and things both there and back. And will that affect their performance? We're hoping not. So uh, in no. terms of just even just the mental things of doing that. So we're cheering traffic on for sure. And, uh, yeah, Danny, any last thoughts here before we sign off? No, if you've been with us for this whole episode, go get a drink of water, go to the bathroom. Thank you so much for sticking out with us. We both need to eat. I know I'm I'm exhausted. So we will we'll talk to you all next week and good luck to everybody that's playing this weekend. Hey, this is Karen Hatch, captain of Winnipeg Fusion, your 2021 Ultima Canada Invitational Women's Division bronze medalists. And you're listening to the Hucking A podcast, your coast to coast guide for all things Canadian Ultimate.